So welcome to another episode of the Never From Concentrate podcast, where I still want to do the wrong intro every single time, <laughs> but it's a podcast about people who make things from scratch the hard way and making all your favorite products, which is amazing. So this week we have Lungi Mashlanga from <laughs> Treats Dessert Club, which is an amazing donut business. I think donuts are my favorite dessert, obviously. We've actually never met in person before, so this is the first time I'm interviewing somebody that I don't know that well, which is very interesting. So please introduce yourself. Tell everybody about Treats Dessert Club. Okay, so we have been running now for four and a half years. I've been making donuts for about six or seven. And the whole idea for Treats Club was simply, I just wanted to create dessert. Like I really, really just wanted people to have dessert. I have a big passion for it. Whenever I go to a restaurant, it's the first menu I look at is what's on the dessert menu. I often choose where I'm going based on whether they have a good dessert menu. It's very important to me. It's like my passion project in life. So I kind of knew I wanted to start a dessert business and I was working for a makeup brand at the time. And as much as I loved working for that brand, it was incredible. I was working for Mac. It was amazing. Like genuinely one of the best companies I've ever worked for in my life. However, I knew I wasn't that great of a makeup artist. Okay. I just liked being in Mac because it was almost like anyone in Mac will get this, but it was almost like being a Stepford wife. And it's like, <laughs> it's like when you're in a company like that, you, you are surrounded by people who completely get you. Like you're just, you're all so similar. You have the same passions for makeup, for artistry, for excellence. And like the standards at Mac were so high to be able to work there. Yeah. So because I was surrounded by really like-minded people, that kind of made me want to stay with the company for a really long time, even though I wasn't that great for makeup artists. Like, I was really not that good. But one thing I was good at was making cakes and stuff for trainings and, like, baking for people and stuff like that. So I used to do it to, like, de-stress. And one day I just decided to make it for my team, made it for them. They loved them. And they were like, oh, you should do this one day. And I was like, please. Like, I I don't think I'm going to do this. I was in Dubai at the time, and that was where I was, like, in a tiny box room. Like, I didn't have the Dubai experience that you hear from people. (laughs) Not and luxury. No, 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 no. My experience was was beyond not luxury. Like, it was one of the worst Dubai experiences. Like, when I first got there, um, my mum came to visit me the first time I moved to Dubai. I was in a room that was so small, it couldn't fit a single bed. Like, they had to cut the end off the single bed to fit it into the... It, like, I don't know how to describe it. It was almost like it was the bed part was in a cupboard. And so, and then my shower was over the toilet. That's how small the bathroom was. My mum came to visit me like three months after I moved. And as soon as she walked to my room, she cried hysterically. Like she was so upset. And she was like, I can't believe you're living like this. She was like, you don't have to do this. She was like, you actually don't have to put yourself through this. But I've always had this need to like want to prove I can do something by myself. Yeah, I, like I don't know who I'm proving it to because now as I get older, I'm like, I want to live a soft life. But at the time I was like, oh, I want to be a boss. Like I want to be an entrepreneur. Like I want everyone to, no, no, no. I don't want to do that anymore, but we'll touch on that later. Um, <laughs> but I had that need. So anyway, I started off doing that. And then eventually after doing a couple of years in Dubai, I was like, do you know what? I actually feel like I really want to create something for myself. I've always had loads of ideas. I always love the idea of being able to feed people. I think there's something so, I don't even know how to put it, but there's just something so nurturing and like, it's just such a comfort thing for me to be able to feed other people. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know where that feeling comes from, but just seeing people eat my food, it brings me more joy than anything else. 
So that's kind of where I feel like I've... <laughs> 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 you asked me one question, I'm still talking. Um, I talk way too much. But moral of the story is that's how Treats Club was born. It was born in Dubai by accident, kind of in my little box room of me being like, I hate this life, but I love my company. Why don't I create a company that I love alongside yeah. the life that I love by myself? I think almost we've had the reverse journey. So I wanted to be a baker, but I'm a terrible baker. Which, by the way, is not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Baking is so hard. I just wanted to just yeah. say that. So I make fizzy poppins. <laughs> You've been that off the hook, Robin. <laughs> Never will anyone... Someone's finally absolved me of the terrible cakes I used to try to sell people at London Market. We, we actually did go through quite a long Wait, period of trying to actually, sell cake. You were selling cake? We were selling cake. Oh, yeah. The, the original iteration of Square Root, yeah, it was all sorts of different products, but all made from like UK seasonal produce. That wow. was the thing that tied it all together. Uh, but people just bought the drinks. Yeah, so. I mean, <laughs> you know, they were like, "Yeah, this is strange." <laughs> and then this is not risen. It. This is flat. I think this is I, burnt. The the frangipan situation was always quite oh, nice. Oh yeah, yeah. I make, I've got brownie. really cold hands, so I make really good pastry. Oh, amazing. Yeah, that's a really good thing actually to have as a baker. Yeah, I'm often not people that when I interview them. <laughs> <laughs> do hands on all. Can't touch my donut dough if they do. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you'd be allowed nowhere near it. There you go. So how how did you arrive at donuts? So this kind of goes back to the Dubai story. Essentially, I started when I started selling to like friends and family. Then a few like other people would see me be tagged, and when I say tagged, I mean this is back when. <laughs> Instagram was not this is pre way pre TikTok. Yeah. yeah. This is back when people even thought YouTube was still like this is gonna fail, <laughs> like how far we're talking. Um and I had like maybe a hundred followers on Instagram at the time. And people would so my friends would tag me and be like, Oh thanks Treats Cup. It was called Wonder Treats Cup at the time, don't ask. Actually, it makes me itch to even say it. Um but yeah, so that was what happened. People would tag me and then I would get a few bookings. I'd say maybe one a month, two a month. Hmm. One time someone just asked me to make donuts and I'd never ever I made a donut before I hadn't even thought about making a donut right um and so I did and they were so bad they were actually the worst donuts of all time like if there was a ranking in the Guinness World Book of World Records it would be on there like they were terrible um and essentially the person messaged me and was like these donuts are really bad like they're really oily they're really not nice to eat but the fillings and the flavors are amazing so she was like please keep going and trying and see if you can make them um and I have this obsession when I mess something up is in like I have to get it right yeah like yeah. we're not going to stop until yeah. we yeah. This. There, there has to be a way I don't believe when people tell me oh it's not possible it's always possible like if you, as long as you're breathing it's possible <laughs> so I was like I have to we figure this out if other people can do this why can't I do this it's not we're not going to the moon and even then I think I probably could go to the moon <laughs> one day. Um, so yeah so I literally practiced 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 until one day I came out with a donut and I was like oh this is amazing this is why people are obsessed with these and decided to start sending them at a few markets in Dubai and then people loved them so I was like okay we're going to stick with donuts it was that time when everyone, like, everyone started baking. It was that time when the cupcake revolution was happening. Yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. It was when everyone was like, oh my God, I'm going to start a cupcake. Like, oh, I'm going to have cupcakes. Oh, let's do cupcakes. It was that time. Okay. So I was kind of like, okay, so what I'm not going to do is cakes and cupcakes. Yeah. We're going to do donuts because it's really hard. Not everyone's doing it. And I think when you get it right, it is like magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it feels like wizardry. Like, I'll be honest with you, I feel like every day it feels like wizardry, like that I'm even able to get this right. Um, so <laughs> that's why I do it. It's quite a science, I think, to get like the perfect donut recipe. 
Baking is science, cooking is very much like a feel, an emotion. I think that's why a lot of chefs despise having to be in the pastry section because it is very regimented. Like you have to be willing to wake up in the morning every day and make the exact same thing that you have made the day before and still get it perfect. (laughs) And a baker told me this once, they were like, you're only as good as your last bake. And that like hovered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really hovered over me because I was like, if I mess up this bake, all the other ones don't matter because this is my <laughs> right. That is, that is some brutal. tough stuff to carry around. It's so brutal, and I, but I carry it with me daily, and I put that pressure on myself every day. Um, but I think there's also something about it that is is almost liberating because at any moment it could go wrong, and I like to live in chaos. Like <laughs> any moment, I could mess up a whole batch of like 500 donuts, and like the whole day is ruined, and everyone has to, and we all have to close. And I kind of love that. That is. Also brutal. (laughs) The feeling feels quite familiar. It's quite exciting. I think this is one of the things about making it Mm. is you have quite a lot. You've got skin in the game. There's a lot of, there's a lot on the line. I can see that. Like you've clearly been through it and like just willing to keep going. I can see immediately just like your energy is amazing. I get, I get why you're doing it. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. I just, I just love what I do. I love that I get to wake up in the morning and just, we have amazing customers. Like genuinely, I, I, all I do is make people smile all day. Yeah. If if you go to work, every day and you're bringing people come in and they don't even look at us they're just like wow like they forget we're in business <laughs> and human beings they're just looking at the donuts and I'm every morning I get to think wow I actually did that like I'm bringing that to people and what other job do you get to do that in like no, it's, sure. it's very yeah. rare so I don't take for granted the fact that on a daily basis I, and it almost links back to when I worked at Mac people would also come in and do the same thing they'd just be like oh my god wow there's so many lipsticks which one do I do? they'd be so excited to be there um, and I have a similar thing with my business now which is all I've ever wanted so yeah mm. as stressful as it is <laughs> get into, it's also great so how did you bring it from Dubai to the UK it was actually very easy so I got to a point in Dubai and I love Dubai and it's something that like one of our ambitions one day is to be there like I would love to have treats cup there It'd be like it's my ultimate dream it's like the top of the list right next to New York that's a whole different conversation (laughs) because yeah I don't know if they'd let us in but yeah how did I bring it from there to here super easy we were I was living in Dubai Mm -hmm. I'd got to the point I'd been there four and a half years and I'd had enough I love the country I think it's incredible I go back every year for holidays sometimes twice a year however I got to a point where I was like I miss my family yeah. tremendously. I was so homesick, like literally physically feeling homesick. Mm. Like I, I can't even explain it. And I think only people who've lived abroad will understand that feeling. Like you can be homesick in this country, fine. And like your parents live, I don't know, in, in Newcastle, but you can get in, like, on a train and visit them. Being homesick a plane ride away is mm. a completely different feeling. I was missing things like my friends having babies and like, my mum's 50th I had to miss because I was work. I had my hours at work and they wouldn't let me have the time off and it was just a whole bunch of things and I got to a point where I was like this isn't my life I don't yeah. want to be here anymore I need to be back in the UK I also missed our humour like I just think there is nowhere <laughs> on earth where they have banter like we do I just think we have genuinely that don't get me wrong I complain about this country every day but I would never <laughs> live anywhere else I just love it so I decided I was going to move back I moved to Italy first 
d- done. Off. <laughs> I was in Italy for a year. Stepping I stones. In, I lived in Rome for a year um, because I didn't want to leave Mac and all they had was a job in Rome and I okay. loved my team and wanted to stay with them. So I moved to Rome, lived there for a year, hated every minute of it. <laughs> Sorry to anyone who's from Rome, but it was truly one of the worst experiences of my life. Then I moved from Rome back to London. When I came back, I was working for a makeup brand. I'm not going to name them, not Mac. Ooh. It was a different makeup brand. Um, worked there for two months. They fired me. Anyway, <laughs> we're not going to name them because they don't even deserve it. They actually don't even deserve the publicity. Like they don't. <laughs> but it's fine. I'm not bitter about it. Only a little bit. And they fired me. The day they fired me, I was on the phone to my mum in tears. They fired me, by the way, for something that wasn't my fault. I went on holiday. I went on a two-week holiday to Dubai that they had already approved and they tried to make me work on the day I was flying. And I was like, how can I work and fly? Yeah. So that's why I'm bitter about it. But it's fine anyway. And then my mum was the one when I was crying on the phone to her when I got fired, I literally called her as soon as I got outside and she was like, but why don't you just start your business? You've wanted to do this for ages. Like she was like, this is a sign. She literally said to me, she was like, this is a sign from God. Like you weren't supposed to be working for this company this is what you're supposed to do. And I was like, but how am I going to just start a business from like thin air? I've got no job now. I've got a rent to pay. I was living in yeah. Shoreditch because like I wanted to be cool. Like, I, you know what I mean? I wanted to be a hipster at the time. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And my parents, so I had to move out of my flat in Shoreditch. I had to move out because I couldn't afford to pay my rent. Subsequently, it's on the same road that my shop is on now. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me that isn't God and that isn't <laughs> And so I had to move out because I couldn't afford it. When I moved out, I my parents were amazing. They had a flat in Billericay that like my stepdad used to own, but no one was living there. Yeah. So like, even though it's not London, why don't you move into the flat? Yeah. We won't make you pay rent. We'll cover your bills for a few months. For a year and a half, they paid my rent, my bills, didn't ask me for a single penny. Every time I wanted to quit, my mum was like, no, we believe in you. You don't have to quit. It's fine. Like, it's not a problem. The flat was going to be there anyway. We'd have to pay the mortgage regardless. Mm. You're not any burden on us. Let us help you. And because of that, that's how I was able to start it. That's really amazing. So I always make sure I tell people that part of the story because I think it's really easy for people to think when you say that, like, you're self-made or that you're like you're the one who's done this yourself it doesn't mean without help right yeah mm-hmm. yeah it takes a village and i had a very strong village i had a very privileged village because a lot of people don't have that yeah like, i don't know anyone who could i don't know many people who could go to their parents and be like can you pay my rent for a year and a half yeah and even have their parents offer i didn't even have to ask they offered mm. so i don't take for granted that i definitely started this journey from a place of privilege which is why i work so hard now because yeah. I never want to be back in that place where I'm like, oh my God, I can't pay my rent. Like, it's just not a nice feeling. Yeah. For sure. You look like you're going to say something, so I'm waiting for you to say something. I've ruined it. I've ruined the cut. We've got to cut, we'll this, cut bit. this bit. Out. No, we're definitely keeping this bit in. No, I'm so um, sorry. No, I mean, I was thinking that like, my my granddad and your parents also helped us start yeah, Square Root in the early days. So it's just really part. true. It takes loads yeah. of people. Look, we had loads of friends who used to give up their weekends to come in and help us yeah. like make test batches. We had some brewery friends that let us borrow their space to do stuff in. I love I love the saying yeah. it takes a village. I think that's a really eloquent way of putting it. I haven't actually heard that before, but it's completely true. Yeah. I think it's something we've touched on in um, other conversations we have with people is you are made not only by your customers, obviously, who are loyal and they become part of your day to day, but those supporters, those advocates, those people that are there telling you, you know, when you've had the worst day ever and they're like, just do it. You can do this. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the right path. Absolutely. It's incredible. I, I think I think that's amazing. Um, and it really does. It really does take that. Obviously, you've also got to do. You've got to put in the hard work to keep oh, the yeah. momentum, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, we were talking just before we started filming about 
how hard it is to just push it forwards and and what it takes to confront it. And what makes you do it? Um, oh God, if I'm being completely and utterly honest, it's going to sound so weird. Has anyone seen the movie The Intern with like Anne Hathaway where she's riding around the office in a bike? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is my like, it's going to sound weird because there's no way for me to be riding around my donut shop. <laughs> yes, that is yes. Like, yes, exactly. And in fact, you're right. You said anything's possible. But I think, so the part, let's go with the part I found the hardest first, actually. I find it hard to keep going because this job is very much problem solving. That's what yeah. you do, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, no one tells you this before you start and then when you're in it, I, I very much feel like as someone who hasn't got kids that this is my child, right? Mm-hmm. This is no different, I feel like, to raising a child. Obviously it is different massively. <laughs> parents out there who work very hard, but this is just as relentless yeah. in that your sleep becomes about, goes on the back burner, your social life, the same thing. You become obsessed. You care so much about like the quality of what you're putting out into the world because it very much reflects on you. This is just like a child, like, like when you're raising them. Right. And the same thing about it takes a village. It's the same thing they say with kids. So this is my kid. So that for me is the hard part is the fact that it's very much problem solving all the time. And my world, even though I'm bringing joy to people, is full of problems. Mm-hmm. So once I put out one fire, another one appears. Yeah. It's like literally <laughs> little fires everywhere. This TV show, if you haven't seen it, it's so good. But it's like that. So that's the hard part. But what makes me keep doing it is one, I have an incredible team. Mm-hmm. So, like such an incredible team. I'm also able to hire people that I feel like aren't reflected enough in hospitality mm-hmm. and in a lot of industries. So by coincidence, I swear it's by coincidence, <laughs> All my team are female, which is just not something you see very often in hospitality, yeah. Yeah, for sure. which I just absolutely love. Also, all of my team are women of colour. Once again, didn't happen on purpose. Just so happens to be that I think they see a black woman working in food and they're yeah. like, oh, actually, this must be a safe space for me because she's there, which I don't take for granted. And I take as a massive honour and a huge responsibility. I think I have a massive responsibility on my shoulders to understand that I'm in a in a privileged place now that I helped create, right? Yeah. So I'm in a space now where I can turn down things if I want to. I work with who I want. If I don't, if I, my brand is not aligned to someone's brand, I'm not working with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really big on things like that. And I'm able to do that now. I wasn't able to do that four and a half years ago. Yeah. Right? So because I'm in that space now, that's what keeps me going in that I get to work with other businesses that I love. I get to have a team that I love. And I get to show them that this is actually how you're able to do this. And you can do it in a way with integrity. You can have an amazing product. And you can also at the same time still enjoy yourself every single day at work. And my customers are kind of what keep me. Because they'll come in and be like, oh my God, I've seen you've been here since three in the morning. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I have been here since 3 a.m. And the fact that they notice that and they acknowledge how much hard work we put into giving them an incredible product, it's what makes it worthwhile. Yeah. That's really amazing. It is such a like a leadership role to be the the like face of your business. And it's amazing that you managed to surround yourself with a team that can really like respect and appreciate that. I yeah. think that's really cool. Thank you. positive affirmations all around here that's what we're here for yeah this is a very nice podcast episode i haven't asked any tough questions yet no not yet (laughs) um but you you started on a market stall right Mm -hmm. how so how have you taken it so you have a shop now yes you did so many events last year i saw you at so many different things 
head down <laughs> massive queues in front of them yeah, yeah exactly how did you go from market stall to the shop okay so this is this is probably my favorite thing to talk about I yeah i'm talking about this okay so i had always had this dream that like one day i would have a shop right and then i kind of did a lot of things in between the first market so we started on chatsworth road market Shout out to them. The greatest market of all time. I tell everybody, if you're going to start anywhere, if you're starting a business and it's a food business and it's in London and you're in East, start at Chatsworth Road. It is the most uplifting, supportive. Like I can't. So there's a market manager there called Ade. He is a hero. Like when I say a hero, I just mean as in if you are stressed or you've come late or something's happened to you in the morning and like obviously everybody's like bringing their stuff in their own car or van Mm. something will happen right like someone will be terrible to you on the way there and he will be the person that you'll talk to and he'll be like everything's fine this is what we're going to do today i'm going to help you no problem the pitch fees are great like everything about it was amazing so i started once again from a very positive place Mm. i had like my parents being positive him being positive so i genuinely feel like there was no way i couldn't get to this point but on my first day of Chats with Road Market, I had a customer called Jen, who is still my customer now. And she said to me on that market store, she was like, you're going to have your own shop one day. Nice. She, the first day I ever traded, she said to me, you're going to have your own shop one day. She was like, I'm so proud of you. And just know that I believe that this is going to happen. And I was like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm barely making 20 pounds today, but thank you. <laughs> and she was right. And it has happened. So from there to here... There were a lot of things in between that stop, almost stopped me from doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. Like a lot. yeah. From being in locations that frankly weren't right for us and put me in a situation where I was like, okay, maybe this doesn't work in the way I thought it, did, thought it would. Doing festivals that sometimes were the same where I was like, mm, maybe this product doesn't work in the way I think it does. Just quite a few things, having events go wrong. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how has that happened? So there were so many things that happened, but what happened last year was we were at a place called Containerville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'd moved from, so I was at Nettle Market and Seven Dials at the same time. Yeah. Which in hindsight, wasn't ready to do both at once. <sighs> I acknowledge that massively now. I'm very open about it. It was way too much too soon. I was massively overwhelmed. I began to hate what I was doing. And I mean, viscerally hate. Like to the point where I was like, I am going to get rid of this business. I wouldn't even sell it. I'll just close it. That was how I felt at the time. It was horrible. I was running seven days a week with no sleep, no food, no nothing. And I was like, this isn't sustainable. So I stopped both of them at the same time. I left Seven Dials Market and I still love them there, by the way. I just want to be really clear. Like I get on with everyone there so well. I still get on with all the guys at Curb. They're amazing. But it just was not the right time for me. Yeah. I shouldn't have done it so early. And that was on me. That wasn't on them. So I left there, left Nettle Market. Then I was kind of like, oh, I'm just going to go straight into events. We're just going to only do events. So like I announced that we were only doing events, right? And everyone was like, are you mad? Like, <laughs> are you crazy? Like, how are you going to afford to run your business just from doing like three or four events a month? I was like, you don't understand. And I think a lot of people didn't understand at the time. Events are huge for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. They're a huge revenue for us because one, we're sweet food. So what often happens is people only have one sweet food vendor at a lot of these events. Yeah. And a lot of our events are prepaid. In fact, 90% of them are prepaid. It's very rare that we do an event where we haven't already been paid for it before we show up. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no guessing. There's no like, oh, will we make money that day? It's like guaranteed. Like I've been paid, right? So for us, that works so well. We have an incredible event schedule. Like it does really well for us, especially in peak seasons like Easter, Black History Month, like International Women's Day when all the companies want to acknowledge that they should be paying us more. Anyway, so that works really well for us. And so I did that for a year and was amazing and then I kind of got this itch and I was like (laughs) 
so many of my customers keep saying to me, hi, are you open? Are you open? Are you open? I want donuts. Where can I get donuts? And I didn't have an answer for them. And I was like, these are the people who've supported me since I opened. Yeah. yeah. They were there from the beginning. And now I've gone, thanks so much for that. But actually, we're just going to go make all this money over here. <laughs> and we're not going to come and serve you and do anything. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. Like something about it just didn't feel right. And the other trouble with events is often you'll do it and you don't even get to have the proper feedback from your customer because it's so quick. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you guys have been at these events. It moves like this. Like you'll be done in an hour sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't even get to have proper feedback. I didn't get to chat to them. I didn't get to find out what flavors they like, all of that. So I came up with the smart idea last year to just decide to go on Zoopla. <laughs> went online, started doing like looking at places, found a shop, did a viewing, put an offer in, and then woke up the day I was supposed to sign, pulled out of it, right? I know, so bad. And I kind of knew that that place wasn't the right place, and thank God I did, because then I found this place that I have now, <laughs> and here we are. But the reason I decided to do it, the main reason wasn't just so that I could serve loads of my customers, but also just so we could have a home that was ours. Yeah. And I think you guys, because I'm assuming not my business, but your factory is, it's your factory, right? Like it's yeah. your, where you make your stuff. Yeah. And you've been in other people's spaces before, right? And as much as it's, we're grateful to them for giving us that home, there is something to be said for being in your own space that you control. You get to put your own processes in. You get to open the times that work for your business and all of that. And that's what we get to do now. And I think nobody can ever take that away from us i've got a 10-year lease so yeah. amazing unless something crazy happens and we touch wood a million times <laughs> i'll do one for you as yeah well. thank you I appreciate that. <laughs> i've got this space for 10 years which means i can do as i please and who knows in 10 years we might not be open at this spot we might be somewhere else but we can also like we've got loads of things in our lease that allow us the flexibility to change things if we need to yeah so for me it was a no-brainer to do this and if i feel like if i can make it work in my own shop in one location I can make it work in multiple which is hopefully the plan that's amazing yeah so I obviously was there on Instagram watching you do everything for this shop which is really cool so you you put a lot of it together yourself which is hard work yes but how does it feel to have done that can I be completely honest? Yeah. yeah. Stupid. <laughs> That's the word I would use. I don't want to glamorise this process. It was no. absolutely hell on earth putting my job together. It was hell. It was hell on earth. I would wake up some mornings crying before I'd even left my bed because I knew how much work I had still had to do. And I also made the stupid decision of in the middle of the process announcing the opening date when we were nowhere near it. Oh, right? Just wow. like that added pressure. And I, I also then planned it on oh it gets worse. So not only did I announce the day we were opening, like when we were nowhere near ready, like I didn't even have seats in, we hadn't even built the counter yet, like we didn't even have plumbing and lighting, right? I also announced the opening date on International Women's Day, our busiest event <laughs> of the year. So I had six events happening on the launch day that we opened, which is why I had to change it to a soft launch because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I woke up that morning at 1 a.m. the day we opened. Yeah. 1 a.m. I had to go into my kitchen and make over two and a half thousand donuts before we even opened. Before we even opened. And then we opened and people were there like, congratulations, giving me flowers. And I was so delirious. I was like bursting into tears every five seconds. (laughs) Tears on people's donuts pretty much because of how stressful it was. So if I could give any advice to anyone who's thinking of doing it as a DIY project, don't. That would be my number one thing. Do not do it. I don't care who you have to beg, borrow and steal from, pay a builder. I wouldn't even hang a picture frame up now if I'm not to do it myself. I will not do it. 
so it, it was an amazing process to get to do it with my stepdad which is the only positive I yeah. can take from it the yeah. only positive was that me and him got to do that together and I will always always cherish the fact that we got to do it he was the biggest support for me he even now if I have any question about anything he is the first person I call like yeah. the first person he's so invested in my business not even from a financial aspect I mean like mentally he is so invested in like oh you should add this to the menu oh you should do that helping me build stuff it's an experience that I will never ever take for granted but it's never happening again <laughs> You did it for shot one. You learned a lesson. Shot two, three, four, and others. I will pay whatever. It, you could quote me a million right now just to put a picture up, and I would say, yeah, that's worthwhile because it's that painful. So, so opening day of the shop was a very non-typical day. Yes. What is a, what does a typical day look like running a donut business? Very early start. I would say so um, which is not abnormal for a baker like yeah. every baker will yeah. tell you it's a baker's life you get up early you are morning people you have to be up in the morning but our challenge is which is actually just my challenge <laughs> because I was the one who set the opening hours we're open till 11pm right so our opening hours are 12pm till 11pm most days Sundays we shut at 8 and the reason I did that was because I feel like there isn't enough like late night dessert spots yeah. I feel like especially in this area in Shoreditch it makes no sense to me that there isn't one because people like to eat sweet treats. They want to do it after dinner. People go out here all the time. So I was like, let us be the spot where people can come. So we're open till 11, which has its own challenges, but it's also working really well. So we're going to stick with that for a while. But I, my morning routine is normally I'm up at three, sometimes 4 a.m. Wow. if I'm lucky. Nice. <laughs> so four is like a lion. So in the weekdays, I get 4 a.m. So I was up at four today. And then on weekend, it's at three because we have more, we have double the amount of donuts yeah. today because we need to be yeah. way earlier. I also don't like to do things last minute. So I'd rather we be finished an hour before we open than 10 minutes before I'm still decorating. And I'm like, there's people outside knocking because it happens. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because we decorate with our shutters. Okay, so it's actually my fault. We decorate <laughs> the donuts in the window with the shutter open. And I do that because obviously I want people to see the donuts and be like, oh my God, we have to get these. We have to get these. But then what happens is because some people, no offense, but some people have no decorum. So they'll literally be knocking, like banging. When are you open? And I'm like, why are you doing that? You don't have to be so aggressive. And then I have to open and tell them. So that's why I like to get everything ready early because I don't want us to be in a situation where that happens. So yeah, 3 a.m. is normal weekend times, 4 a.m. weekdays. I'll get into the kitchen get the dough out of the fridge which has been made the day before yeah so that's yeah. the other thing that people don't realize is the reason why donuts are so difficult is because you can't just make it on the day mm -hmm. you also can't keep them more than a day donuts have to be eaten on the day they're made right so yeah, yeah. there is just so much about it that is very chaotic <laughs> and you can imagine for me it's like my dream right it's the magic yeah it's the magic right like all this chaos can happen like so i get in take the dough out roll out the dough everything's done by hand which is the other challenge like I am going to get some machines in to help me eventually, but not to do anything that would compromise the quality. Yeah, yeah for sure. Just things that are going to like cut down on time. And also physically, I'm tired now. Like, yeah. I'm getting to the point where I'm exhausted. Like I'm probably at least, I, I've no exaggeration, made at least over 100,000 to 200,000 donuts at this yeah. point. Wow. I physically can't roll anymore. Like I can't. I've got maybe six months left in me of rolling and then my body is going to be like, no, enough. Now. I'm starting to get carpal tunnel yeah. in my hands. And it's just not, it's not sustainable. No. So roll out everything by hand. Then we proof everything, which also is another, another minefield. 
Because <laughs> if your room's too cold, so I walk into it like right now. If we were doing donuts in this room, I would have to put my heater on, right? I I know this. <laughs> I walk into any room and I can I know the room temperature. I know exactly what the room temperature is. I can feel it. So I'm like I I'm in tune with the donuts. In like, one with I the love donuts. That. That's that's a sound bite. Hundred percent. I'm just in tune with the donuts that we make, and it's it's my job to do that. Like I have a responsibility to make sure, and any baker will tell you. Like this is why I don't venture into, by the way, doing like croissants. And brownies, and because that's not, I am not in tune with them. Yeah, like, I don't speak to you. Yeah, like if, if you're a violinist, be a violinist. That's just how I feel. For sure. I really do, feel, and I all all power to people who do multiple different things in food, and I think that's amazing when you can master them all. Fantastic. But I really like. I used to play the saxophone and only the saxophone, right? And like, I think that that's how I should be for donuts. Um. So yeah. So that's what I do. And then by the time it hits twelve o'clock, all the donuts are made. Everything's laid out. I have to get everything ready. Then, of course, my team come in. So I have to make sure they're briefed for the day. They know what's happening. Do we have any pre-orders? Do we have this? People might have challenges. Like I said, little fires everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So there'll be a challenge or someone will be off sick or this will happen. So I kind of just have to be prepared for every eventuality. And I would easily say there is not one day that's the same as the other. But I kind of also like that. Yeah. I like that every day is different because I get bored so easily. Like, I don't like the idea of everything being the same, which is why we change the menu so much. Because even though the donuts have to be exactly the same every day, the flavours don't. That's up yeah. to me. So, like, some days I'll wake up and be like, oh, no, I'm actually just going to put a lemongrass donut on the menu today. And, like, it, people just have to deal with it because that's what's <laughs> going to be on the menu. <laughs> that's the question I wanted to ask you is, uh, how do you come up with the flavours? Because I've, I've tried quite a lot of your donuts yeah. over <laughs> over the, the years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Donut yeah. people. We are, we are donut, we are donut people. Honestly, I thought you were just saying that when you said it. I was like, oh, no, no, there. yeah. And I, the the Sorry thing I didn't bring you any today, by the way. Oh, um, we're following you back to the shop. Oh, we know we're just around we know the corner from here. Just to be direct, we are in Shoreditch. The the shop is five minutes walk from where we are now. So I, I think that's uh, that's good. I've done my steps for the day as well. I can have Love at least that. two. Um, so yeah, look, the 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 flavor combos are amazing, and also they have. Um, they have a, a a kind of ability. They're not too sweet. They, yeah. they you know, even though yeah. it's a sweet treat, they you eat them and you're like, God, yeah. There's a balance there, yeah. right? How how do you get how do you get that? How do you get your flavor combinations and and how do you you know without giving us all the secrets? No, no, no. I'm, I'm you know. so I I'm always I spill way too much tea. Like I spill everything. <laughs> it's a wonder I even still have a company and like someone hasn't just come and copied uh, it and like shut me down. Oh no, I don't believe that. I think <laughs> I think I could tell you the recipe for our lemonade and, still and you wouldn't be able to, to make exactly. it. Exactly. This is it, right? So this is why I share so much and um, so I'd say in terms of coming up with the flavors two things one is I am massively motivated by nostalgia like yeah I want everyone who comes into our shop to feel like a kid again this is all I care about like I really want you to come in and one feel safe mm-hmm. like how you did as a kid right like we all a lot of us felt super safe when we were around like dessert or when we're like eating something that we love or it just is a comfort yeah. so I want people to feel that when they're there the other thing is salt. I say this to people all the time. Yeah. People do not put enough salt in baking and it drives me mad. Does anyone remember that cook- cookery book where it was like acid, salt? Oh, salt, fat, acid, that heat. One. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Terribly. Sorry to whoever wrote the book. <laughs> that has stuck in my brain yeah. for all of eternity. So even if, for example, right now we've got like a milky bar custard, shout out to milky bar. We've got a milky bar custard filled donut on the menu. If you were to look at that from any other brand, it would probably be very sickly. Yeah. But I'm obsessed with salt. I love umami. So we've put miso in it uh-huh. just to balance it out. And it is 
insanely good because you don't eat it and think oh my god i'm actually gonna be sick if i finish this yeah you shouldn't feel like that after dessert you shouldn't taste just sweet you should taste flavor i say this to people yeah. all the time when you make a cake or you make something dessert wise the flavor should be the first thing people notice it shouldn't be like oh i'm having sugar mm. because the trouble is when people only taste sugar they taste no flavors yeah no profiles they don't remember anything other than the fact that this was too sweet and i couldn't finish it I often what happens is people will eat a donut of us and then they'll come back and get another one. And it's because they didn't realize they'd be able to eat two because they assumed it was going to be heavy or super sweet. So I'm really proud of that. It's taken me a long time to get there. And sorry, I'd say one last reason is I don't have a sweet tooth. So <laughs> I love dessert, but I don't have a sweet tooth. So, you know, when people go places and they'll get like, I don't know if you've seen those like ridiculous freak shakes. That yeah. Really popular yeah, yeah. I tried one. I threw up. The ones like, covered <laughs> in like candy floss and like, I've never eaten sweets. I don't eat like, we. I never grew up eating sweets in my house. Like we didn't have Smarties, Skittles. We didn't have any of like the gummy sweets. It's nothing was sad like we weren't allowed it wasn't in my house i didn't have crisps in my house growing up so for me sweets is dessert like yeah. my dad used to eat pudding with me behind my mum's back <laughs> go to tesco and get like a jam roly poly <laughs> one of the greatest desserts, desserts of all time and we would do that secretly so for me that's what motivates me the fact that one i want to convert people who say the words i don't have a sweet tooth every time i know i can convert them it's like a, a genuinely a challenge for me and two i just think you should be able to eat more than one and still enjoy it and have a taste memory from it. Yeah. Not the memory being, oh God, I went there and it was just so sickly. That's like my worst nightmare for someone to say that. So. Yeah. I knew salt was a secret. I I love uh, two. My favorite flavor of your donuts I've ever tried yeah. is the white chocolate pistachio with the little baklava on oh, the top. Oh yeah, it's coming back next week. I. Okay, well, you'll see me again in a week's time. I, I hate white chocolate. I think yeah. it's sickly and awful. And so I, I literally, I only picked it because one, it looked amazing. And I was yeah. like, it's got a little baklava on top. Yeah, I have to try it. it. And I ate it and I was like, maybe I don't hate white chocolate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's my job in life to convert people. This is what I love. And I, I feel like I could eat a kilo of your marshmallow fluff yeah, because it's not sickly. Good. It's so good. And it has that savory edge yeah. to it. It's Oh, we did have someone complain once though that it was too salty and I thought great you just don't need to come because this is what we care about is salt we care about salt here this may be a sweet company but we care about salt here okay she never gets left out of the party she's always involved um, and I just think uh, actually I took that as a compliment she was like it's a bit too salty I was like great because people need it they don't think they need it in dessert but they do so just if anyone's out there making desserts the number one tip I'd give you is add more salt than they tell you double it whatever it go. says in the recipe add double yeah <laughs> I so I know we've already we've already talked a little bit about how some things are really challenging yeah. but do you I feel like everybody has like a biggest disaster story that's oh. really good to hear so what is yours oh my god I think I have two <laughs> I have two I'll tell them quickly I promise right so the the biggest the biggest disaster would be the pop-up we did at Old Street Roundabout. Okay. The biggest one. I talk about this all the time, right? Customers to the point now, like a lot of my customers are like, babes, like, you need to get over this. Like, no. <laughs> but you have to understand, I tell people because I really need people to know because I think people see us now and they just think the journey was so linear. Yeah. Like, it really, you don't understand. Like there were certain things that almost shut the entire business down. Yeah. And I don't know how I got back up from them. And honestly, by the grace of God and my parents and my family and the people who love me, they're the ones who reminded me that I really was meant to do this. So we did a pop-up at Old Street Station. I'm not gonna say which company it was with, but it was with a very well-known pop-up company. And they 
we got in touch with them to do the pop-up we got in touch with them they didn't get in touch with us we did and i was like oh i really want to do a pop-up in one of your one of the stations that you guys manage and they were like okay this one would be a good one old street would be a great fit for you and i was like fantastic and i know that a few brands had done it before like blondies had done it before and now they're in selfridges and i was like wow this could be us one day yeah like if we do this we'll be so popular and then all of a sudden everyone will want our product right so we do this pop-up and I don't know if anyone's seen Old Street Roundabout lately. Yeah. But one, it doesn't exist because they've been doing construction probably since 1925. <laughs> it has not stopped. It is still going. Does anyone know if it's even going to be finished soon? We don't. We were told it's finished in 2018. It is still going. It's 2023. The bike lane's not back. It's it's very complicated. It I is. went on the car the other day. I was so confused. I actually don't know if it's legal what they've done. Like someone needs to be held accountable. That's unacceptable. It was fine before. Anyway, so at the time, it was when the construction was very much mid-flow. And here's, this is an example of you need to do your research. I didn't do my research. I just saw the words Old Street Station. And I was like, oh my God, this many visitors go through there a day. Oh, we'll be making a killing, blah, blah, blah. So where this pop-up space is, the exit, when you come out of the station, you have to either go left to go to Shoreditch or right to go to like the other part <laughs> which isn't shortage i can't remember it's like towards Islington. <laughs> and i where they put our papa we were on the left side before we started and i mean literally the week before we started it was fine the exit on our side was open the day we started oh, no. trading, they closed the exit on our side and all the traffic instead of going past the side we were had no choice but to go the other direction to the point where the two businesses that were permanently in the station had closed because they were like, there's no point us being open. Nobody's coming here. They're not walking. We've got no footfall. I remember turning up on the first day and I had, they told us to expect to serve around 500 people a day, right? How many, okay. how many donuts do you think I sold on day one? Maybe a hundred. Let's, let's like divide that by five. Okay. Five donuts. I sold five. Divide that by a hundred. <laughs> divide it by a hundred. divide that by a hundred. Oh, that's brutal. Five and I can talk about it now because I laugh and it's fine and like we've moved on from then. But I'll be honest with you, there are times it still actually brings me to tears because my stepdad gave me the money to do that. Uh-huh. He was the one who gave. He believed in me so much, and even after it failed. He did not say a bad word to me about it. Like he was literally, he still believed in my business, still everything. So I look back at that and I'm like, oh my God, like what an angel. But at the same time, I'm like, how did I let myself be in that situation? But it's something that happens to you, right? Mm. So we were supposed to do it for four weeks, ended up cutting it down to two because I could barely get out of bed in the morning. I was so upset with the sales, right? I was literally like, what am I doing this for? And might I add, I was making the donuts in Billericay and having to drive to Old Street oh, wow. for 7 a.m. because you're not allowed to deliver after 7 a.m. Yeah. You have to deliver at that time. That's their loading time. Driving into the roundabout, the roundabout where you see all the construction workers, driving my little Toyota Yaris <laughs> on top of the roundabout, going past the men in high-vis and like hard hats with a with a crate full of donuts that we sold six out of. So by day two, I was only making 100 donuts a day and even then we weren't selling them. Yeah, It was only on the last day that I think we sold like 75 donuts and I was like, wow, like we've made millions. <laughs> Um, so that for me was probably the biggest disaster I've ever had was also the hardest thing I think I've ever been through mentally in terms of like crying every day and still making donuts like crying whilst making dough in the morning like literally trying to make it work and I don't know how I got up after it but literally the week it finished 
I had two days off on the Saturday and Sunday, woke up Monday morning, started emailing companies to do more events. Don't know where it came from, but it just happened. And then the other, what was the other disaster I was going to tell you about? Oh, but this one's a really quick one. You're going to love this. Okay. (laughs) This is an event disaster. I don't talk about event disasters often because obviously it puts people off booking us for events. Just for the record, if anyone's looking and does want to book us, I've learned from this mistake. (laughs) We did, I I had a day of pop-ups, right? We had a day of like four pop-ups in a row. Like it was back to back to back to back. So we're going from one event in an Uber, another event in an Uber, another event in an Uber, another event. So we'd done three events, all had gone beautifully. Last event was a hot chocolate pop-up. Oh my God, even talking about it actually made it. Oh, it's so bad. I told this story the other day, like I, I had like pins and needles, it was so bad. And we got there and this is the first time we'd ever done the hot chocolate pop-up. We'd done hot chocolate before, but never done the pop-up. So I bought this new induction hob and I bought this new pot for the hot chocolate to go in rather than getting, you know, the, the yeah, ones where it spins. No, didn't have the money for that. Oh. Didn't want to spend the money on that. So I just thought, oh, let me save money. I'll just buy a little induction hob. We'll heat it up on that. So I had a girl working with me who'd only worked with me twice before. Bless her. She's so lovely. But like, this wasn't the task to give her. She plugs in the hot chocolate machine, um, the induction hob, puts the pot on, pours the hot chocolate mix inside, turns the hob onto the highest. Oh, no. <laughs> the highest thing. So we're there now. I'm setting up, like not even looking. All of a sudden, I smell burning. And I'm like, no, this isn't happening. And I only had one hot chocolate mix because it was oh. a purpose for like 30 people. So I didn't need Oh, it. no. So I'm there now like, oh, my God, what is going on? Oh, and we're five minutes late, by the way, for our setup time, which I know doesn't seem like a lot, but like every minute counts yeah. for an event because yeah. they want to start at a certain time. Anyway, t- notice it's burning. Then I was like, oh, it'll be fine. No, I'm, I'm sure like you won't be able to tell. Start pouring people hot chocolates. The lady who booked us comes up to me and she's like, the hot chocolate tastes like a bonfire. Like, is it meant to? And then I, in my head, I'm like, should I tell her this is a bonfire hot chocolate? Like, should I say that this is like an actual thing? Can I blag this? Can I blag this and say that this is how it's meant to taste? In the end, like seven people had a hot chocolate and she was like, we're actually good now. We're not going to have any more. So you guys can just pack up. Ooh. So I packed up, packed up our stuff, did like the walk of shame. The worst walk of shame I've done in my life was this one did the walk of shame out of this venue got in my uber cried myself the whole way home i was like i can't believe i've done this um and since then they've never spoken to us again they won't book <laughs> us again haven't spoken haven't let us make up for it i actually was gonna send them like a whole thing of like donuts and now like the quality of our donuts is absolutely outstanding yeah so like, i really do want to make it up to them but i just think that they've probably forgotten about it anyway i'm the one holding on to it but yeah that's our worst event story that person doesn't work there anymore <laughs> I don't think so. I really hope they don't. And if they do, I, if anyone does still work there, I hope they've forgotten what brand it was. Because I'm sure they have. They're not going to have remembered it. Yeah, they've forgotten. They've got it written on a board in the yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like a never order from. <laughs> they've got our faces literally there. Oh, we're on a blacklist. Do you say I'm on a blacklist? Just with one tiny office with 30 okay. people in it. True, and I can live with that. I can live with that. There are bigger offices out there, there with like hundreds of people <laughs> and none of them have heard about this chocolate. Oh, wait, they've heard about the hot chocolate <laughs> incident. We're telling this them never right happens. Now. This doesn't happen anymore. It, it, it really doesn't. It re- I properly learned my lesson. Like we do not burn hot chocolate anymore. But yeah, this is a time we did. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. This is a safe space. Yeah. It is a safe space, clearly, because I'm telling stories that I really shouldn't be. Yeah, it's going to go on the internet forever. Yes. It really is. But you know. Okay, let's let's flip the script then. And yeah. what would you say is your like best moment doing this? Oh my God, there's so many, but I'm going to give you only two. Right, I'm going to be good because we know I like to talk. So let's narrow it down to two. Um, my best moment, I'd probably say the number one moment is the Forbes thing. Which I'd say yeah. like the biggest. That 
for me was the biggest thing because it was it was the year where everything I put so I'm a big believer in vision boards some people don't believe in them and that's okay I know a lot of people don't believe in astrology and I, I know not saying it's just men but a lot of men don't believe I find that astrolog- men who don't believe in astrology often are exactly their star signs so that's okay <laughs> that's exactly what I think about astrology but so I basically did a vision board that year every single thing I put on my vision board came true every single thing I put my vision board and that was on there. So the fourth thing was on there and it was kind of my last year to get it because I was turning 30 like this uh, so this is the 30 under 30 exactly you know I am so jealous for an award that I never put myself forward yeah. and now I'm 33 I'm not 33 yet I'm 32 <laughs> it's well, okay I, I will tell you something it does nothing for you okay like, it doesn't actually like you don't get anything from being on Forbes like it's it's just some. it's just an accolade that's that uh, that makes people it's an accolade that makes people actually take you seriously yeah. at a point where you need them to. Yeah. Now I'm not at a point where I need people to take me seriously because we are a brand now, right? Like it's that nobody can say at any point that I'm like, oh, oh, how's your little business going? Like people don't say that, yeah. right? But at the time it was really, it was like a great validation for, wait a minute, I'm actually doing something that people acknowledge. And what was so weird was on my vision board was Connor Walker, who runs House of CB, who I'm absolutely obsessed with. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. I think her brand vision is incredible. I just love everything about it. She was on my vision board. She was actually the person who selected me to uh-huh. win the Forbes 30 Under 30. And she was on my vision board that year. So I personally think vision boards <laughs> work, I'm just saying. But that for me was the number one thing I would say. It's like being on the Forbes 30 Under 30, like absolutely solidified for me that like I was really doing something. And I think it also helped other people to see oh wait you really do do this full time like I think a lot of people genuinely thought I was just doing this on a weekend it's like a hobby yeah and I'm like why do you think you don't see me at your parties and like I have no life like what do you think this is you think, just, you think I'm just a hermit you think I like going home and only being able to watch Grey's Anatomy because I can't put my brain into anything else that requires <laughs> I just don't understand it um, so that would be the main thing and then Honestly, I would say just having my stepdad help me build my shop would be the second best moment I think I've yeah. ever had in this. Because you you really do do this to make, like I, everyone has someone they want to make proud. Yeah. For me, it's my parents because I'm so close to them, genuinely so close to them. Like I think I've got to an age now where my parents are not just my parents, they're also my friends. Like, yeah. I, I talk to them about everything, like things I definitely shouldn't be discussing with them, but I very much do. And it's because I like them as people. Like I actually think, and I say this to my mum all the time, like if they weren't my parents, I would want to hang out with them. Like I just want to be friends with them. Like I'd want to go for a drink with them and like talk to them about stuff and get their advice. So to get to do that with my stepdad was amazing. And then to get my mum come down and like she came to my shop and started dancing and like, did a prayer for me and like all of these things are things that matter to me yeah I say to people all the time like opening my shop was like my wedding like this is mine (laughs) because I'm not engaged I'm not probably going to get married for a long time so this was my moment to be like when everyone throws confetti on me that was my confetti moment and I think that for me was incredible like that we got there and I really did do it from my own my own pockets which I can see now because the bank account is not as helpful <laughs> as I did this process but it's been worth it it's been really good summer is coming though so it's going to yeah, come back this is it this is it festivals start soon don't remind me <laughs> don't remind me incredible 
I think that that um, getting the accolade bit is important for us. It was yeah. We the- did actually have that moment. It just wasn't the thirty under thirty list no, that I wanted. I mean, we, it was the BBC Food yeah. and Farming Award that oh, I actually amazing. also really wanted. No, I mean that. I think like it was like year two of having the solo yeah, works in hand, yeah, yeah. right? And it, there was exactly what you said. It's that moment when suddenly we're like, oh shit, right? You actually do this? Yeah, this is a serious business. And they're business. like, oh, this is actually a business. This is it's on the internet. Yes. You know, and they're like, oh, because it was before, it was that kind of thing that Ed and Robin did. Yeah. And, like, and it is an amazing moment when people are like, right, shit, okay, you're actually mm-hmm. doing this. You're not just doing it a bit. No. You're, you're not going to stop. No. Uh, you're quite committed. And someone's actually said you're doing good. Yeah, exactly. And it's like someone that is like not just a friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's incredible. So congratulations on getting yeah, that. Because it is like, I, I get what you mean. It's like that little boom. It's just yeah. a little bump, isn't it? And it's like, yeah. we, so we were really, I think that we worked really hard for that one. And it was such, I'm so proud of that moment. I'm, I'm reliving that, that moment yeah. now. I'm just like, As yeah, it it's so good. Cause you sort of forget about it. You know, you move past it and you do have to reflect on these really good moments because there are so many, like, I do feel like we live fire to fire. We try not yeah. to, right. But it is when you do stuff, the the universe is just pushing back all the time you're trying to when you're trying to change stuff yeah. it is like you're going against the grain a little bit you know mm-hmm. so like stuff is always going to burn or go on fire or like yeah. maybe maybe your dough always proves you know it's always going to be the donuts are always going to be perfect i don't know how it's it works the room's it's always the, the correct temperature it's because the room's always the correct temperature it's, you it's know. actually no, no, this morning was, was oh, no. disaster oh no i had to i had to literally hold the box of donuts on top of the heater today oh, for 30 no. minutes I was literally stood there with like my head like this with my phone because I was on a call this <laughs> and the, the donuts on top of a heater just to make sure they proved perfect because the, it was colder in the shop today. I, do, I think, so normally we have a little thing. I got very, very excited by seeing the blue sky yesterday. Did anyone else? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot we live in England. So <laughs> blue sky or no blue sky, within minutes you will see a thunderstorm snow. I was surprised snow yesterday because often it does do that. Like one day it will be sunny and the next it's snowing. So I got a bit excited and just didn't do what I was meant to do this morning. So lesson learned. Constantly oh, yeah. That's what this is. That's what being an entrepreneur is about. It's you're constantly learning. So yeah exactly <laughs> nice so my my final question is always the same for everybody and I'm actually really excited to ask you because you oh, like flavour so I yes. know you're going to give me a great answer if you could make any flavour of fizzy pop what flavour of fizzy pop would you make oh my gosh this is why would you ask me <laughs> <laughs> on the spot I would make like 50 flavors. This is like, you know, it's my, like my dream thing to do is like to just come in one day and be able to be like, I want to make a hundred different flavors and this is what I want to do. <laughs> I would do. Oh my God. You can put salt in soft drinks, just yeah. FYI. I was, I was yeah, yeah. To say, I would probably do two. Can I do two? Yeah, of course. I would do one savory one, which is so weird and people are going to think I'm absolutely off my head. And then I would also do a sweet one. So my sweet one would be like jelly and ice cream because that is my all time favorite dessert. Nice. Like when I was a kid, it was all I wanted. Even now as an adult, I always have ice cream in my freezer and I always have a jelly, like, you know, little Hartley's jelly. <laughs> yeah. I have them in my fridge at all times so I can always have jelly and ice cream, right? So that would be my the one I would make. And then the savory one is just going to be so strange. Pickle. It would be like pickle juice. Pickle? I mean, I... Because I'm obsessed with sweet pickles and I always drink the juice with a straw. <laughs> oh. Afterwards, because it is amazing. And sweet corn juice as well. Sweet, sweet corn, corn juice. juice? No. I... <laughs> How do people not know 
know that this is one of the greatest things of all time. How do people not drink the juice from sweet corn? I'm, in, I'm in pouring that out. I mean, I do, I do tin pineapple. But, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's sweet. I don't know. So I mean, the sweet corn juice. People, Wait, but it's corny. People put, people put. Yeah, yeah, go on, go on. No, do it, do it. Do you like sweet corn? Yeah. Do you do you enjoy eating it? Yeah. How can you not want to have that in liquid form? It's amazing. It's in, only the only the what's the one where it's the green the green giant green giant That's yeah yeah the green man <laughs> the green giants please try it. So, okay, I'll all right. Try, I mean, honestly, we're going home tonight. I am 100 percent sure it won't be the worst flavor of soda that Square Root has ever produced because <laughs> our our old production manager once made a fried egg sandwich soda, and the best piece of feedback I could give him about it was that it was true to concept. It was beautifully it strange. Like yeah, it was like a fried egg sandwich. Like a fried egg. Bread, brown sauce, oh. fried egg. Oh my God, can you imagine opening that on the show? I already get embarrassed because I always love like an egg mayonnaise sandwich from MLS <laughs> on the tube. And I get so embarrassed thinking, oh my God, people hate me because I've opened this. But can you imagine opening that and the smell? <laughs> I mean, the smell of having to bottle it because it, it also like... The bottling process sends some like some vapors into the oh, air. That was yeah, that is still it. real in my memory. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Jake, if you're out there, I know you're listening. Yeah, we love you, but never again. Come on, mate. No, we can't. Again. <laughs> I'm glad you left because of that. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> he did also do a miso new like a miso soda. Yeah, which oh. was incredible. We yeah we do this weird thing at Christmas where we basically make crazy flavors nice. and, and then we give them to customers yeah, as Christmas gifts so we gave people the fried egg sandwich yes. soda as a gift and what did they say um, <laughs> please stop sending us the, things the, the feedback the best piece that someone sent back to us was uh, like we hate Jake for what he has done to our mouths <laughs> I love that. But then I also think your customers are excited to get things like that. Yeah. Like if you did like a Brussels sprout one, I think they'd be like, exactly. as horrific as that might be. I think they would enjoy that. I'm definitely doing a pickle one. That sounds amazing. Yeah, pickle sounds really good. Sweet corn so. juice. I don't know if I'm on I'm, board with it. I actually can't believe it. I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm disappointed in you both. Okay? I'm going I'm to I'm gonna fix this. I thought I would have an ally in this room by at least one person. I mean, I don't, I think, I I don't said no. I, I honestly, I'm like really curious. Yeah. I'm trying this. What about with a little squeeze? a lemon in there just to give it a bit of pop is Maybe. that does it need that or, you know it doesn't need it okay it's just so, straight from the can do you know what when you do it so the first time i did it i was like oh this is weird how much i love this and then now i'm obsessed like to the point where anytime my mom is making sweet corn i'll be like no 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 when she goes to pour the juice out i pour it in a cup and i literally drink it i've even made a cocktail from it before and it is so <laughs> I, I think there's a genre because I, I don't know if you've ever seen this as well they, they instead of egg whites for cocktails people yeah. use chickpea juice yeah yeah, yeah. aquafaba right, aquafaba, right? Mm-hmm. so maybe you could do like a tinned you know like a cocktail that just combines we've got to get to Felix I'm going to speak to Felix about this we've got to get a cocktail going that's got aquafaba there we go. the sweet corn juice there go. there's got to be some of that stuff that comes out the peaches bit of tinned like a fruit <laughs> yeah, cocktail absolutely. no actual tinned content no, just the juices just the juices absolutely. okay that's great I'm I think I need it. a sign that I can just hold up it says rescue me <laughs> you're like please make this stop because they I, so passionate. maybe I'll I just speak on donut who knows I'm so excited oh, I would definitely try that yeah I feel like my customers would trust me if I did uh, we, we do like a, a corn-esque because we do like a cornflake one and we actually use sweet corn powder in it to get like that flavour out 
but I'm, I might consider doing a sweet corn. If you do, if you make me a juice one day, sweet corn juice, <laughs> I promise I'll make you a donut one day, sweet corn flavor, which by the way, probably isn't an incentive for you. Like, I can live without that. So. Deal with me, deal with me, it's fine, it's okay. We'll have the conversation. <laughs> just have an Oreo donut, like yeah. a normie. I'll just stick with the regular flavors. So as we wrap up, tell everybody where they can get this magical sweet corn soda and donut from when it exists. <laughs> when it finally comes to and so we are located at 8 Hackney Road, E27NS. You can find us five days a week. We're open. I want to open more, but I need to sleep. So we only open <laughs> Wednesday to Sunday. But we are open from 12pm till 11pm. So we could not be giving people more hours if we tried. So yeah, you can find us five days a week there. And online? Online, we don't actually sell anything online just because we... Yeah, I haven't got the time, but we do have social media platforms. Oh yeah, so you can drool over them. Exactly. So we've got our Instagram, it's The Treats Club. Um, and I was on Twitter, but then I realised you can easily get cancelled, so I'm not on there anymore. <laughs> um, and that's it really. I think just The Treats Club. We don't we also do Facebook because I don't really feel like... Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect, but it's not really my style <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and I'm not, nice. not really... Like, it's, it's fine. It's just my parents on there, so I'm yeah. Like, yeah. That they can you can post from the gram to Facebook so you know they can just lazily exactly like this is what I do I like, post to Facebook so I'm like yeah I guess like if they want to do it to them as well but yeah so the treats comes where you'll find us we're very active on oh we're also on TikTok how can I figure oh. so it's also the treats club on TikTok where we're really trying it's very hard anyone who started a TikTok will yeah. tell you it is an absolute uphill battle we just need one video to go viral so someone make that happen please I'm so tired like I can't bear the TikTok sounds but like we have to do it so yeah you'll find us on TikTok reluctantly <laughs> amazing well thank you so much for doing this podcast with us it's been really fun I've really loved having you on it thank you thanks yeah. for having me and sorry for talking so much I can't help it it's fine we can edit all of that out <laughs> don't say that no 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 you need to no you need to you need to <laughs> massively.